This is episode number 275 with Alyssa Vietti. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? If you want to listen to my episodes one day earlier than they are released anywhere else, you have to download the app Himalaya and follow my show. Himalaya is free, super easy to use, and has every podcast you can think of. I love that you can leave comments under each episode and even create episode playlists. Make sure you check it out today. Alyssa Vietti is the founder of Flow Living, the modern hormone healthcare company, a functional nutrition and women's hormone expert, author of the period Bible, Woman Code, and the creator of the best-selling period app on iTunes, MyFlow, which is ranked number nine on iTunes in the health and fitness category. That's pretty incredible. Alyssa built Flow Living in 2012, and it remains to be the world's first and only full-service digital hormone healthcare company, which takes care of hundreds of thousands of women around the world. Flow Living reaches women worldwide to offer affordable at-home hormone testing and live support with period coaches. It also provides food and supplement products to create real health results for women with PCOS, fibroids, endometriosis, infertility, and perimenopause. This episode is jam-packed. I am so excited for you guys to dive in. It's for every single female, no matter what your age. And in this episode, we chat about how she went from having PCOS, being obese, and losing her period to healing herself and thriving. We also talk about the truth about your hormones and why they affect everything in your life, how to identify and heal hormone imbalance, how to perfect our cycles, what the infradian biological rhythm is and how to use it to transform your periods, the four phases of the infradian rhythm, the cycle syncing method and how you can sync up your cycle. It's so incredible. And this affects all the different areas of your life, including your business. So this cycle syncing method is so important for how you run your life and how you run your business or how you do your work. We also talk about her morning routine and how it changes during the four phases of the month. The ideal age for girls to get educated with this information, and this is so important for all the parents listening, I just cannot stress this enough. And we also chat about her must-read books, but we go so deep. There is so much more. This information is so important. I wish every female on this earth had this information and her books. It's so, so important. And for everything that Alyssa and I mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that's over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 275. But before we dive into today's episode, I want to read the review of the week. And this week, 
It's a five-star review from Nikki titled, Just What I Never Knew I Needed. And Nikki says, I have just recently started listening and I'm hooked. I never leave an episode feeling uninspired. Your guest selection is fantastic and their enthusiasm is infectious. I love the structure and flow that you direct the podcast in, which is both lighthearted and concise. Thank you. P.S. I'm now very conscious of what I eat for breakfast as I often skip this meal. Love, Nikki. Thank you so much, Nikki, for that beautiful five-star review. I'm so glad that you love it and you're getting so much out of it. And as a thank you gift for you and anyone who leaves a review, I want to gift you my wildly wealthy guided meditation. All you have to do is take a screenshot of your review, email it to me to hello at melissaambrosini.com and I will give you my wildly wealthy guided meditation. And if you want to get my bursting with love guided meditation, you can head to Amazon and leave a review for either Mastering a Mean Girl or Open Wide or both. And again, email me that screenshot and I will give you my bursting with love guided meditation also. So thank you in advance for everyone who leaves reviews. I'm so grateful and it just means that I can keep getting on more epic humans for you. So now, without further ado, let's bring on the incredible Alyssa Fietti. Beautiful Elisa, I am so excited to have you with us today. But before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? This morning, I had only sliced apple with some sunflower seed, pumpkin seed, flax, chia, little coconut flakes, and cinnamon. So I had like a very light breakfast this morning because I'm in my follicular phase. Mm, oh my gosh, I can't wait to dive into this conversation already. I'm like, yes. And we're going to talk about that follicular stage. We're going to go there. But before we go there, can you tell us your story and how you got to where you are today doing this incredible work that you do for women? How did this all unfold for you? Gosh, I mean, I guess it started in stages, but it you know started... First, with my fascination about periods, because when I first heard about them, I had never gotten the talk from my mom. So I, I first encountered that that I would have a period in, I think it was sixth grade. And I was astonished, amazed, excited, awestruck. And then I didn't get my period until I was almost 16. And then I only had a bleed maybe four or five times until I was 22. So I had a lot. So I had this initial excitement and fascination that was followed by basically a hormonal crisis. And then with that, not just missing periods, but also was starting to have more and more symptoms. I was gaining weight. And at the top of my weight, I was probably 210 pounds and just covered in face, chest, and back in cystic acne, depressed, anxious, couldn't sleep at night, and then, of course, was still not getting my period. 
And all the while I was in high school going to Harvard trained gynecologists because I grew up in New England. And then when I was at Johns Hopkins, because I'm such a nerd, I then was having, you know, Hopkins trained gynecologists checking me out to try to see what was wrong with me. And no one had any insights as to why I wasn't getting my period, why I was gaining all this weight, et cetera, et cetera. And so it was one of my insomniacal nights. I was in the library at Hopkins and I found a little tiny article in an obstetrics journal about Stein-Leventhal disease, which was the original name given to polycystic ovarian syndrome. And I just remember reading through the classic presentation and checking off all the internal boxes like, this is me. So I took that document, that paper to my gynecologist the next morning and insisted on the right tests. And she confirmed my diagnosis that day. She said, you, you figured out what this is. Good for you. And I said, okay, great. Now what do we do? And you know, Melissa, she basically in that conversation gave me a pretty heavy diagnosis and prognosis of continued obesity, likelihood for diabetes, increased risk for heart disease and cancer. And then of course, basically infertility. If I was going to ever get pregnant, it wouldn't be naturally. And you know, that, and that basically there was no cure and they'd have to medicate me with all sorts of different things along the way as symptoms got progressively worse. And, you know, I was maybe 21 at the time. And I thought to myself, this is not my future. You know, I had this very strong inner voice that said, no, you know, let's go do something else. And, and that really was the moment where my life changed, my health changed, my career unfolded in this way now that I do this work. But it all came down to that particular moment where I decided to take matters into my own hands. Wow. And and then what did you do? Because I know, I mean, I know a bit of your story that you looked at your lifestyle and your food choices. Was that the lowest hanging fruit for you? And what else did you do? Well, actually, I didn't start there because just like anybody else, you know, I was addicted to whatever it was that I was eating at the time, like, you know, sugar and dairy and gluten and all those things. And so I was not like, oh, great, let me go change all my food. I instead, you know, wanted someone to give me some sort of magic bullet, right? So I, I apprenticed myself with acupuncturists and naturopaths, and I did all sorts of elimination diets and took all sorts of crazy supplements. And at one point, I was drinking so much carrot juice, my skin turned orange, but nothing was helping my body recover and my symptoms were still exactly the same. And this was when I really said, okay, what can I really do to shift the performance of my endocrine system? Because it was clear to me that my hormonal issues, you know, because of the nature of my education at Hopkins and what I was studying, I said, okay, how can I get the glands in my endocrine system to perform better, the organs and the glands? And what had just come out of the Human Genome Project was this accidental discovery about epigenetics. So they had done this study, which you may remember, about identical twins and why would one twin in the set be healthy, but the other would have a serious disease? And the only thing that they found, because they're genetically identical, was that if they had different dietary inputs, diet and lifestyle inputs, that affected the epigenetic structure that surrounds your genes that either switches on or off 
certain of the of the expressions of those genes that either promote health or promote disease. And I said, well, my goodness, if food and lifestyle can manipulate gene expression, absolutely it is a logical conclusion that food and lifestyle inputs can manipulate glandular function in the endocrine system. And you have to remember this was 20 years ago before functional medicine existed, before there was a name for this, before we had anybody talking about it. So I was really on my own to experiment with how to get the endocrine system to perform. And the flow protocol that I created was really out of a very systematic set of experiments to see which aspect of the endocrine system do we need to approach first to unlock the gateways so that the whole thing starts to flow the way that it wants to. And that's why it is in a particular order. And it has been so effective for so many women around the world for not just PCOS, but fibroids and endometriosis and infertility, because we're talking about the most profound root cause, getting right down to the endocrine system, not dealing with symptoms, letting the endocrine system resolve those symptoms and not us worrying about, you know, oh, how do, which food do I eat to clear up my skin? It's how do I get my endocrine system to work optimally? And then the body restores itself to homeostasis, which is exactly what happened to me. So you have to imagine how miraculous and at the same time expected it was for me to do this work and then to watch 60 pounds of weight melt off of my body for my skin to clear up so profoundly. You have to remember... I would have to sit down for about a half an hour every morning because it would take so long I had to sit and I was so overweight to what I call spackle my face. I had to use under eye concealer over all of my face because it I needed something that thick to cover up the cysts and to have clear skin to the point where people always now comment on my skin is still something like a big you know, it's a big adjustment for me still because it was so bad. And then for my moods to stabilize and most importantly, for ovulation and menstruation to be restored to a monthly cycle every month since that got restored. And it's just, it's been a miraculous journey, but it was one that really emboldened me to not only feel confident that I had made the right choice for myself, but so insanely passionate that other women should know how to do this for themselves because, Melissa, as it stands right now, over 50% of women have a hormonal issue and we need to know how to take care of ourselves. And I'm, I'm just happy that I was able to create some work that has been helping women. It's only over 50%. Like I thought it would be, you know, close to 80 or 90% of women that struggle with these things. And I know for me personally, I have had my own struggles with it. So that's surprising that it's only just over 50%. But I want to know, so you talk about, you know, how, oh my gosh, there's so much to unpack here, but you talk about how hormones affect everything and our lifestyle and food, they turn our genes on and off. And when we experience things like acne, oily hair, dandruff, dry skin, cramps, headaches, irritability, exhaustion, constipation, irregular cycles, heavy bleeding, clotting, shedding hair, weight gain, anxiety, insomnia, infertility, low sex drive, and food cravings, that something's going on and that you don't have to live with those things and that there is something that we can do about it and that medication and antidepressants aren't the only solution. So firstly, 
what's going on here and how do our hormones play into this? And what are the solutions for people who may be experiencing these things? Because I don't know about you, but I get almost daily a friend or someone on social media telling me about their hormonal issues. So what is going on and what are the solutions? I mean, so (laughs) what's going on at the highest level, because, you know, fundamentally is that all of those symptoms are a sign of a hormone imbalance. Typically, you know, it's for a lot of women, it's a lot of estrogen overload. You've got to think that we're exposed to so many what's referred to as xenoestrogenic compounds, so chemicals that mimic estrogen in the body, things that are like in your skincare, your cleaning products, the pollutants in the environment around you, in the drinking water. So we're being exposed to more xenoestrogenic compounds than ever before in human history. And just to give it some perspective at how hard it is for ovaries in today's moment snapshot in human history, we're exposed to more chemicals in a 30-day period than our grandparents were exposed to for their entire lives. Whoa. Whoa, that's that's huge. It's huge. And and we know that it's having negative effects because you're saying you're always hearing from women. I'm always hearing from women the same thing, that they're struggling to just feel normal. But we're also seeing it affecting young children. Boys and girls under the age of 10 are developing early onset puberty, precocious puberty, which is extremely dangerous. It puts them at greater risk for cardiovascular disease and cancer. And this is obviously something that any parent would want to prevent, but we're all being exposed to chemicals in the environment, chemicals in our food, and it's really hard. So we have to work harder than we've ever needed to historically to protect our hormones, to eliminate the toxic estrogen overload, and to really use food as a powerful tool to do a lot of the heavy lifting that we may not have had to do, let's say, in our grandparents' generation. Wow. Okay. So where do we start? Like for anyone who's listening who is experiencing PCOS or any of the other symptoms that we've mentioned, where do we begin? Well, I think the first thing to do is always track what, you know, where you're having your symptoms and when, because, you know, this is one of the reasons why I built the MyFlow app which I'm really proud that it is the top paid period app on iTunes because women engage with the, they're learning something every time they open up that app. They're learning, oh, why am I having breakouts in my ovulatory phase, but not when I'm having my period? Why is, what's the difference, right? Because just to say that it's all hormonal is one thing, but you can actually do a much deeper dive and understand a lot you know, more specifically about why you're having it at certain times. So tracking where you are in the cycle is a really powerful first step and which symptoms you're having when, because then it just helps for you to identify really what's going on for you. So for example, is it estrogen overload? So do you get a crop of symptoms that pop out during ovulation, during the first half of your luteal phase? For example, a lot of women say they feel a relief of their symptoms once they start bleeding. That's a great indicator that your estrogen is not being eliminated properly or you're having an overwhelming amount of it in your system for various reasons. 
Some women, for example, feel terrible right before their period and they have an awful experience while they're bleeding. That can be an indication that you're pro- you don't have enough progesterone. You also can be micronutrient deficient. So there's, it's interesting to understand you know, where you're vulnerable in your cycle the most and then to really start targeting what you can do from there. But the, you know, the flow protocol really takes it down to the deepest level, which is you, you can troubleshoot certain parts of where you are in the cycle. But if you want to really get your endocrine system to be optimized, the first thing you have to do is to absolutely stabilize your blood sugar. That was the big sort of incredible revelation from my early research was if you want the endocrine system to do anything with hormones, you have to make sure that the brain, the heart, and the muscle tissue are getting adequate supply of glucose continuously. So that means eating at regular intervals, eating the right quantity of complex carbohydrates, fats, and proteins for you, and doing that in a way that gives you energy and doesn't and you're spacing out those meals in a way that doesn't have you have a hypoglycemic crash. That is so essential. If you don't get that right, it literally doesn't matter what else you're doing because you will never get better. So that's such an important first piece. And then you want to move into really flushing cortisol levels. And this is all the stuff I talk about in my first book, Woman Code. You want to then move into really working on breaking down estrogen and making sure your microbiome uh, and your elimination is working properly. If you do these three things, whatever symptom you have, whatever menstrual condition you have, it will absolutely start to resolve itself because you are now supporting the endocrine system the way it wants to work how it wants to work, how it wants to be nurtured. And if you do that, then it can start to do its job, which is to produce balanced hormones, eliminate hormones efficiently as quickly through the body as possible and keep you energized, mood stable, and you know, looking beautiful because that's what your hormones are designed to do. So it's really about going down to that deep, deep level. So it sounds complicated. It sounds a little overwhelming. I know I kind of just rattled off a bunch of things, but that's what's, you know, why I created a company like Flow Living, right? Because, you know, remember, maybe some of you remember your in your mom's generation or maybe even your grandma's generation that when women would think about, oh yeah, I need to lose a few pounds, right? Back in the eighties, what would people do? They would say, oh, I'm going to go to Weight Watchers, right? At least in the United States. And I just thought to myself, women need a place when their hormones are off that they know, oh yeah, I can go to Flow Living. I got to sort out my my hormones. It's not, I can have my hand held. I don't have to figure this out on my own. I don't have to be overwhelmed. There's a step-by-step process. I just have to follow along. And I'm, I'm just really... I just really thought that the women, womankind needed something like this because, I mean, in addition to not feeling good, they don't get support. Like when I was at the doctor's office, Melissa, it was like, yeah, sorry, we really can't help you, but we can throw a lot of medication at you. Or other women are like, yeah, we can't help your pain. Maybe it's all in your head. Take an ibuprofen, come back next year. Maybe we can do a surgical procedure. Maybe we can't. We're left completely to suffer. And I always like to point out that there is no other vertical in modern medicine where that is allowed. 
right? I mean, let's let's just just to put it into some funny perspective because I love <laughs> I always love giving this example. 20 years ago, some guy in his 70s walked into his doctor's office and said, "Hey guy, hey doc, you know, I can't get an erection the way that I used to and I have a younger girlfriend and, you know, I've got to have that erection back." Now, he's already past his menopausal state, right? Men go through menopause like women go through menopause. And it's called andropause just for technical purposes. And he's not necessarily needing to have a full erection the way that he used to, but he wants one. It's not medically necessary. It's not life-threatening that he isn't having a a full-sized erection, et cetera, et cetera. And 20 years ago, an entire industry, millions of dollars of research were funneled into erectile dysfunction, hormone replacement therapy for men. Of course, we all know about Viagra and the other one. And, you know, <laughs> I don't remember all these drugs' names, but, you know, we, we know about Cialis. We know all about these things. And it was all over the media, the news, politicians were coming out with their ED stories. It was completely normalized. And yet, in 1995, the National Institute of Health put out a special committee saying, oh no, there are not enough women in any medical studies, and we're dosing them with drugs, and we're giving them anesthesia, and we're basing it all on the research that's done on male participants and assuming that it's going to work for them. And then in 2016, the BWC Women's Health Collective updated, like gave a progress report for the mandate that the NIH put out in 1995 and said, we've basically made no progress. There's not enough women in research. We are guessing at what's going to be good for them. And not only that, but we don't have any solutions for women with chronic menstrual disorders. And so I just felt like I had to do something. And so that's how Flow Living was born out of, you know, not only my own personal experience of being like so many women who are marginalized in modern gynecology and just told it's all in your head or going years without a diagnosis or then getting one and being told there's nothing to be done. But also because then I had the ability to create a protocol that is so effective, I wanted to make sure that we could have that be available to women all over the world. And it really is women from Australia, from all over Africa, from India, from the Middle East, from all over Europe, from the entire North and South American continent are people who come to Flow Living virtually because it's the world's only femtech solution for gynecal, you know, menstrual issues. So it's a modern hormone center, which I'm just, I feel like from a feminist point of view is something that we, we deserve. (laughs) Mm, Absolutely. In Women Code, you talk about how we can perfect our cycle. So how do we do that? And is there such thing as like a perfect cycle? Well, there's an optimal cycle. Yes. And, you know, I really love talking to women about checking the color of their bleed every month because it's like a live hormone test that in real time, it gives you a great snapshot into what's happening. So what you want to do to optimize your cycle, to perfect your cycle, again, is to recognize you may have a diagnosis, you may have already a condition, you may have just PMS. Going through those first three steps of the flow protocol that I describe in Woman Code is critical for you to reestablish endocrine function. 
And then you want to check your cycle every month and you want to say, okay, what color is it? What's the consistency? How long is my bleed? You know, am I having any symptoms? And really trying to get to a place where you're having that optimal flow, which is, you know, four to seven days, nice, fresh, healthy red color, clot free and pain free. That is an optimal cycle. And that is absolutely something that you can biohack, right? So for example, let's say you're having tremendous cramps. Well, cramps are the imbalance of prostaglandin ratios, right? So there are three prostaglandins in your system, PGE1, 2, and 3. If nature designed you to be in pain, which a lot of us believe because that's the cultural narrative that says, oh, women are have the curse and you know, they're going to suffer and be in pain. It's even, you know, in some religious texts that we're supposed to suffer. It's not biologically accurate because you have only one prostaglandin that controls for uterine contraction, that's PGE2, but you have two prostaglandins, PGE1 and PGE3, that cause uterine relaxation. So you you just have a little bit of uterine contraction that you that you get stimulated by so that the uterus moves and can help move the endometrium out of the body but you have twice as much prostaglandin that causes your uterus to relax so nature has designed your periods to be pain free however if you're eating the wrong kinds of fats fats that are high in omega 6 heavily processed vegetable oils etc you're going to jack up the production of pge2 and suppress the production of PGE1 and 3, and you're going to have more cramps. So you can literally eat your way out of cramps within two cycles. Wow. Okay. So what about like low energy and just feeling like, is that part of, you know, is that meant to happen? Like on the first day? Because for me, I'll talk about my experience for the first day, usually the first half of the day, I feel really low energy. Like, I just want to lay on the couch or lay in bed. I do feel a little bit bloated, but is that normal? Quote unquote normal? Is that part of it? Or should we not be getting any bloating and should we not feel low energy? Yeah. I mean, so, and this is why I wrote my new book in the flow, because what you need to understand is that there is a secondary biological rhythm running in your body that governs six major biological systems. And what's important about that is that just like I shared just a moment ago that nature designed you to be pain-free, nature designed you to feel good all month. And so if you're having symptoms like, you know, really noticeable fatigue where you need to lay down and rest that much and bloating, then yeah, you're not in the flow, right? You're, you've somehow been doing something at somewhere along the way that is endocrine disruptive. And of course you are. Of course, any woman is because we've been deprived of a very critical piece of information. And I'd love to share that with you guys because it's, it's what I am introducing to the world in this new book, In the Flow, that is really game-changing. It really turns everything we've been taught about the way we take care of ourselves, the way we eat, the way we work out, it really turns that all on its head. So without further ado, I'll just tell you what it is <laughs> because you've been, you've been kept waiting long enough <laughs> for millennia. <laughs> yes, share. So you, we as women 
in our reproductive years have something very special, a special biological rhythm. We all know about the circadian rhythm, right? The one that is aligned with the solar pattern, right? The sun rises and sunset and how we are, our pineal glands are stimulated by sunlight and we make melatonin around that and all of that. And we've also really come to understand as a scientific community how essential it is for us to nourish and support our circadian biological rhythm, right? We wear blue light blocking glasses. We make sure we get adequate sunlight. We take our vitamin D3. We try to get adequate sleep. We've done multi-decade studies to show the effects of what can happen when you work against the circadian rhythm, like people who work night shifts at hospitals and things are at bigger risk for serious diseases. So we, we're all on board that taking care of the circadian clock is critical for health. But for women in their reproductive years, you have a second, equally, if not more important, biological rhythm called the infradian rhythm. The infradian rhythm. It's a new word. It's a new term. And it's something that you need to know because it's a cycle. So circadian is a cycle that is one day. Infradian rhythm is a cycle that is longer than a day. And in women, we experience that in our monthly cycle, right? A 28-day cycle. And why this is so important is because it turns out that this infradian rhythm impacts not just your reproductive system, but your brain, your metabolism, your immune system, your microbiome, and your stress response system. So I'm somebody who's a systems thinker. I'm somebody who likes to go to the deepest, most impactful root like the the foundation of how something works or the root cause of what is why things are not working. And when I, after having been taking care of women at Flow Living for so many years and being, uh, you know, hormone and nutrition expert for 20 years, I said, why is it now that even just in the past five years, why is it that we have more information, more wellness content online than we've ever had before but women are sicker than ever before, right? Over 50% of the female population is struggling with a hormonal issue, and that's just the ones who are aware of them. And you're right, Melissa, it could be a much bigger percentage. The reason why we're all, as women, so sick hormonally, not where we want to be with our weight, feeling all of these symptoms, feeling fatigued, feeling overwhelmed, feeling like we're not where we want to be in our lives, we, we don't feel healthy, we don't feel energized, and we're not where we want to be in our lives. The reason why that is happening is because we are working against our infradian rhythm. And just like we know how toxic and dangerous it is to work against our circadian rhythm, it is equally toxic and dangerous to work against the infradian rhythm. And we've been doing it constantly. And it's so important that we just stop doing that. Like, period, pun intended. <laughs> we've got to really, we've got to start taking care of ourselves based on our actual biology. And, you know, I've been talking to a lot of people about this book and, and why it's so important. And, and one of the things I like to share is like, you know, we're not, this is not like asking for some special treatment, right? I'm not saying, oh, we have to, we have to be, we're delicate. We have to, you know, take care of our infradian rhythm. No, the guys are doing this and they've been doing it for millennia. They've organized the entire culture 
worldwide. I mean, if you want to talk about what is the patriarchy, <laughs> the patriarchy in my, from my scientific lens is that we've organized culture around the male hormonal pattern, right? Think about it. What is a power morning? When we think about the zeitgeist of what, okay, what do all the guys say about what's important if you're going to have a successful start to the day? Well, let's, let's break that down. Melissa, I'm sure you've heard this before too, right? It's like, okay, let's wake up at 5 a.m. and either do some meditation or writing or something right, right up, right when you wake up, then do some physical activity. And of course, if you have time and a partner have sex, because that's what you want to be doing, then do some meetings, power through some work, get things done. And then in the afternoon and early evening, socialize and then go home and, and rest. And why is that? Because the male hormonal pattern is optimized for exactly those activities every single day at exactly those times. Men go to sleep and produce all the testosterone they're ever going to make for the next day while they're sleeping. They wake up with the maximum concentration of testosterone and cortisol circulating in their bloodstream as soon as they open their eyes. So they are literally raring to go physically and sexually and cognitively, and they need to front load as much of their activity in the morning to take advantage of that hormonal ratio. They have enough of that sustained through about two o'clock and then around three o'clock, it really falls off the cliff. And the rise of biohacking right now is really solvent, compensating for men falling off the energy and stamina cliff in the afternoon with nootropics and upgraded coffee and adaptogens because they, they need to find a way to compensate for the fact that they really lose a lot of energy, mental concentration et cetera, physical stamina in the afternoon if they want to extend that. Otherwise, the, in corporate culture, it's happy hour time and they're socializing and then they go home and they crash. And the, all of our society is organized around this hormonal pattern. And all I'm asking for is that women, without us causing, requiring the world to change yet, <laughs> is that we live in a way that's oriented around our own biology because it it works for men so well. And of course, it's going to work for women so well. And that's why men have less hormonal problems, feel like they're thriving and in, in, in their lives in other areas is because they're never behind the eight ball of their hormonal pattern. They're supporting it. They're nurturing that hormonal pattern for themselves every single day. And women are doing the opposite. We're actually trying to live as if we have a 24-hour hormonal pattern when we don't, we have a 28-day infradian pattern. So what does that look like for us? How does that look and how can we support the infradian rhythm? So that's what I map out in the book. In fact, the book has chart after chart. It has a food chart of, so you have these four distinct hormonal patterns that occur throughout the cycle of your follicular, ovulatory, luteal, and menstrual phase. You have specific hormonal ratios, just like the guys have a particular concentration of testosterone and cortisol in the morning. You have specific concentrations of estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, luteinizing hormone, follicular stimulating hormone in different concentrations in four predictable weeks, right? They change four times over the course of the month. And you have to change what you're eating because your metabolism changes. Your caloric needs change in order for your body to produce these hormones and break these hormones down. You have to change what you're eating each of those weeks. You have to change how you exercise each of those weeks. And I'm going to go into that a little bit more in a second. 
And you have to, like men, front load all their writing and thinking and meetings in the morning because that's when they have their hormonal propensity to do that well and with less effort. You also want to organize your work projects around what is optimal for your brain chemistry in each of those four phases. So in the book, in the flow, I have a food flow chart. There's a fitness flow chart. So you know what to eat when, which which workouts to do, which phase of the cycle. So you don't have to like become an expert like me. You could just follow the charts. There's a new time management tool, a completely new daily planner for women to use to orient themselves around their infradian clock. This is something I created for myself that I've been using for 20 years. It's why I get so much done. So you can use my planner. And then there's a workflow chart. So you know which projects to work on if you're an entrepreneur at which times of the month or if you're in a corporate setting, how to do that in a corporate setting. There's sex and relationship, the love flow charts. You know, 60%, Melissa, of women around the world are not sexually satisfied. And it's simply because they don't know how the infradian rhythm is affecting their sexual response and their sexual requirements, each of the four phases, which we can dive into as well. But you can't expect to have the same orgasmic result if you're doing the same type of stimulation each of the four phases of the cycle. Of course, no one's teaching us that. So we are have very hit or miss with our sexual pleasure and to the tune of 60% of us are missing and not hitting, right? And so that can be completely 100% of the time we can be hitting a pleasurable response if we know what we're doing, if we know how this rhythm works. And there's even a chart about mother, like motherhood and how do you use your hormonal pattern to your advantage as a mom. I'm a mom of a young daughter. And let me tell you, this has been a huge liberation just to be able to mother in a way that works with my biological reality. It's amazing how everything just shifts and it's so logical, right? It it doesn't, you're, for example, your brain chemistry changes up to 25% over the course of one infradian turn of the clock. Right. So within one month, your brain is distinctly different from itself than it was a week ago by up to 25%. You're not the same person. Why would you want to do anything that you did last week, this current week? Because you're like a whole different creature. Metabolically, your metabolism is slower in certain phases of the cycle and faster in others, meaning you can have less calories in certain phases of the cycle, but you must have more in other phases of the cycle. If, for example, you do high-intensity interval training all month long, because we've heard that is good, it is good for men every day, but it's not good for women every day. And if you do it at the wrong time of the cycle, you can turn on fat storage and turn on muscle wasting. So here again, this rhetoric that says, just do it, get up early, push yourself, don't quit, is good for guys, terrible for you. And that's why women are not making the, achieving the body that they want, and they're working out so much harder than they need to, and they're messing with their hormones. Anything that you do from a self-care point of view that is not in alignment with supporting this infradian rhythm is fundamentally an endocrine disruptor and will make you sick and stressed and miserable. (laughs) And it doesn't need to be that way. So that's how you do it. You start to change what you're eating 
when you're in the different phases, you change how you're working out and you change what you're working on in your life so that everything becomes less stressful, so that you increase your energy week over week. You never fall off the energy cliff. Like how I know that I'm doing well is every time I get my period that I'm, that it feels like a normal day, right? feels like, okay, great. I got my period, but I'm feeling good. If I've not been supporting my infradian rhythm, I may have an experience like you described where I'm really like energy, energy depleted at, you know, during my bleed. And that's a, that's a great indication that I've been somehow out of the flow. I haven't been nurturing my infradian rhythm enough. My period will always give me that real talk feedback. Like, yeah, you, you did a good job or nope, you didn't do enough. And then I just do better next month. But it's, it's really an exciting way to live because you, you know, you're basing it on your actual biochemistry. This is amazing. Like, it's amazing. And I'm so grateful that you have written an incredible book on it. And it goes into detail of all these things. In my latest book, Open Wide, I talk about this, not as in-depth as you have gone, but I talk about in the month how we go through the summer, autumn, winter, and spring. And that's how I refer to it. Because everyone can relate to that. You know, when you're in your winter, you're hibernating. That's when you're bleeding. That's when you go inward. That's when you're feeling, you know, like maybe you want to have the more nourishing foods, the warming foods. That's very different to your summer, which is when you're ovulating. When you're out there, you're feeling more social. You might say yes to the dinner party invite. You might be so gung-ho with your work project. And for me, when I learned this and when I understood this, it changed my entire way that I work, my entire way that I live. And it also made me not be so hard on myself. And it gave me permission to be kinder to myself because I had this idea that why do I feel like going inward or why don't I want to feel like doing high intensity workouts all month long? Like what's wrong with me? Something's wrong with me. But no, 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 no. Nothing is wrong with you. Nothing is wrong with you. We go through this summer, autumn, winter, spring in one month and it's so important. What you're doing is incredible. So can you give us a little bit of a rundown on each of the four phases and what are some of the things that we can expect in each of those phases? So, I mean, I love how you bring in the seasonal kind of analogy. In my first book, Woman Code, I introduced, I think, a lot of women to this concept of the seasonal approach. And I'm, I'm really glad to see that so many people have taken it up and, and, and talked about it and, and, and really shared this more because I think that we've needed to really expand this conversation. What I'm so excited about this particular book is that I think just like, I don't know, a couple decades ago, before Eve Ensler came out with her book, The Vagina Monologues, we really were still living in a culture that didn't name our physical anatomy. You know, we would call our vagina, our labia, we'd call them other names like a coochie or a hoo-ha or, you know, whatever, funny little names, right? And it seems harmless enough, right? But we, by not having the scientific and accurate name, we internalize that as meaning 
something not having value, right? When there is no name to something, it's not important. And it's really, really important that we know the name for infradian biological rhythm, that that has been something that we have this blind spot about for however long it has been is just one of the most profound ways that we just completely devalue our cyclical biological reality. And then not to mention that there are you know, you know, even in my own referencing originally of, you know, thinking of it seasonally, I think that was a helpful first place to start. But as I have been deepening my research over the years, what I think is just as profound of a shift for all of us to make culturally as women is to call everything by their scientifically accurate names, because we then feel it's that we step into its value we claim its reality we it's not like this nice idea cuz i think we still unconsciously think oh yeah you know summer is this is all very nice and friendly but you know the world doesn't work that way i can't organize my whole life around that i should still listen to what the the zeitgeist the rhetoric is saying that I should wake up super early in the morning and do an intense workout every day. And I should, that's really the truth of it. That's the truth. All this other stuff, the yoni and the seasons, that sounds really soft and nice. And it's not as dependable because it doesn't have an accurate name. And so one of the things that I did in this book is really give all of the science. And I mean, I have over a hundred pages of scientific studies references for this book because I wanted us to finally be able to name it and claim it for ourselves. We have a real biological system, a, a rhythm that is valuable and powerful and worthy of our attention and support. And it doesn't have to be a nice idea. It's just a, a scientific fact. And I think that's an important step for us to take as a female culture. And I'm, I'm excited to be making that together with this book because, you know, we are powerful. That's a fact. And there are all sorts of scientific studies that show, for example, our brains are, you know, so powerful compared to men's, right? And this is not a, comp this is not a battle of the sexes. I love men. Everything is great. I'm just saying, I think it's important for women to know these things because we've been told the exact opposite. And not only have we been told the exact opposite in every possible way, but then we've been deprived of the actual technical language to describe our physical reality. I mean, for God's sakes, we don't even have enough vocabulary to describe the menstrual cycle, right? Right. We say, oh, it's the menstrual cycle, but then when you're bleeding, it's also your cycle or it's also menstruation, but then the whole cycle can also be called menstruation. It's very confusing. And that lack of specificity is disempowering. So anyway, just a little rant. I, I'm excited for us to have the technical terms because we deserve them. We deserve them just like men have them, you know? But I do think however you connect to them, you know, for me, I do still use the seasonal paradigm in my mind because it, it does feel that way. It really does. It feels like you're blossoming into summer. It feels like you're recovering and hibernating in the, in the menstrual phase. But I think the exciting thing about understanding the science is that in these four phases, which I could go into in depth, 
is that it isn't, it isn't about certain times of the month, you're happy, energized, wonderful version of yourself. And then the other times you're like the sleepy bear in the cave. (laughs) That's not the expectation that we should have because my experience of supporting my infradian rhythm all month and for now almost 20 years is that you feel subtle shifts. It's very subtle. If they're extreme, then your hormones are a little out of balance, right? If you feel extremely fatigued, in the winter phase, in your menstrual phase, then you're out of the flow. If you feel, you know, extremely PMSy leading up to that, then again, your infradian rhythm is not being supported, etc. But if you're just feeling the subtle shift, so for me, you know, here let me break down the four phases, then I can expl- explain how I experience it. So in the follicular phase, you have low levels of, of most of your hormones, but you have the initiation of an increase in serum concentration of estrogen in the bloodstream. And that just stimulates the ovary to start maturing some follicles for eventual ovulation. But it also has a proliferative effect on your brain chemistry, it makes you open and curious and interested to be stimulated in new ways. So that's good to know and we'll talk about what you can do with that in a minute. Then in the ovulatory phase, you get a huge surge of estrogen and you also have the presence of luteinizing hormone and follicular stimulating hormone. But this huge surge in estrogen stimulates the verbal and social centers of your brain. It also stimulates an o- one egg to be released from the ovary. And this is a really interesting time because you know this is your most outward facing moment, but it's the shortest time of the month, right? It's only three to four days ovulation. So it's your shortest window is this massive outward facing. Interestingly enough, we think as a culture that we should be forever in our ovulatory phase, right? That's the ideal phase to be social and verbal and caring about other people and running around to all sorts of events. And we, we value that above anything else. We, we wish that we could be that way all the time, but nature knows that that is the greater energy expense and has designed your cycle to keep you optimally energized throughout the month. So it gives you the longest phase, which is after ovulation, which is the luteal phase. And this is 10 to 14 days, depending on what is normal for your cycle. And this is when we have some of the most exciting hormonal ratios present. We have the introduction of progesterone makes its debut onto the the scene during the month. And we have a surge of estrogen and progesterone, and then also a decline in serum concentration of these hormones when conception doesn't take place. So the luteal phase has two distinct parts, the rise of these two hormones holding the lining of the uterus in place, and then the decline of these hormones letting the the lining shed when it's time for that to happen when the bleed starts. What's exciting about this is that it stimulates the brain in a way to make you really interested in details and finishing things, completion, like task-oriented, detail-oriented type of a focus. And it's much more inward-facing. So you have more interest in taking care of yourself than in taking care of others. And that's really important because you need a lot of time to make sure that you're setting healthy boundaries to take care of yourself and get your agenda accomplished. Otherwise, if you're constantly doing things for other people, we know how that ends, right? And in fact, that has real physical effects on things like fibroids, ovarian cysts, and endometriosis, because when we're constantly letting boundaries be crossed energetically, and we're constantly doing for others without any balance of doing things for ourselves, we that can then actually manifest physically in 
the pelvic basin in the uterine space as an overgrowth of endometrium or as cysts or as fibroids. And that's, that's something else that I, that I talk about as well in the book. And then we move into the menstrual phase which is the time of the cycle where the right and left hemisphere of the brain communicate with each other maximally across the corpus callosum, which by the way, is bigger in women, making us more successful at solving complex problems. <laughs> so we are at this time better able to evaluate any situation, any area of our life and solve problems and figure out what to do and what, how to course correct. So it's a really fascinating experience to go through. The shifts are subtle. The energy change, it shouldn't be such a wild mood swing. Like, wow, I'm in my follicular and ovulatory phase and I'm like full of energy. And then, oh no, I'm in my luteal and menstrual phase and I'm so exhausted. If that's happening, then you're out of the flow. But for me, it's more just noticing that my interests and my orientation to either being wanting to be focusing on others and socializing and doing that kind of outward facing stuff. Like I, you all know, I'm in my follicular phase because you asked me what I had for breakfast. So I've been, for example, been scheduling podcasts for the first half of my cycle because that works really well for me. And, you know, that is the, what I'm noticing and my energy for working out. I have more stamina for the more intense cardio. And then when I shift into my luteal phase, I can literally feel my metabolism speed up. I need more complex carbohydrates. I notice that. I'm attuned to that. I eat more. I work out less. And I work on different projects at work. And what that does for me each month by doing that consistently, by nourishing myself the right way is that I never fall off the energy cliff. I always have nice, stable energy. So, so, because this is a question I get commonly asked with like, well, Lisa, this is a really great idea. And yes, men do it. And it would be so nice if I could do it. But what if my boss asked me to give a presentation and I'm not in my ovulation phase? No problem. You can do absolutely anything at any time of your cycle. The trick is, right, if 80% of the time you're optimizing for your infradian rhythm, eating for it, working out the right way for it, and working and managing your time and your projects according to it, then you're building energy in your bank account. So then when you do have something that's out of sync that comes up, right, like for example, I gave my TED Talk on the second day of my period, I got married on the second day of my period. Like, it's no, you know, no, no big deal. <laughs> when those things come up that are quote unquote out of sync with your cycle, you have energy to spare. You have energy reserves that you've been banking by taking care of your infradian rhythm. So you can absorb the, let's say, extra subtle effort it takes to do something that's out of sync. And again, it's subtle because you're capable of doing anything at any time. You're a powerful, strong woman, perfectly capable of doing whatever you want, whenever you want. But the idea is just how much more energy could you gain? How much more ahead of the eight ball could you get if you optimized for your infradian rhythm? Because we see men doing this all the time and how helpful it is to them. And I know from my own experience living this way for so long, it is so incredibly helpful for me to do that. It's how I can do all that I do. I have to interrupt this conversation to tell you about one of today's podcast sponsors, Four Sigmatic, a wellness company that incorporates mushrooms and adaptogens into their coffees, plant-based protein, edible skincare, and dairy-free lattes. You may remember Tiro, the creator of Four Sigmatic from episode 99, 
where he shared all about the power of functional mushrooms to transform your body and mind. And for those of you who drink coffee and are wanting to switch to a cleaner and upgraded elixir, you must check out their Lion's Mane Mushroom Coffee. Lion's Mane is one of my favorite functional mushrooms. It's been used by Buddhist monks to help them focus during meditation. It's your brain's best friend and supports productivity and creativity. It's also got another one of my favorite mushrooms, Shaga, the king of mushrooms which supports your immune system and is loaded with powerful antioxidant properties. But my all-time favorite product is their Reishi Mushroom Hot Cacao. Reishi helps enhance the immune system, reduce stress, improve sleep, and lessens fatigue. I think we could all do with some of that. And right now, you can get 15% off. All you have to do is head to foursigmatic.com forward slash MA tribe. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash M-A tribe to receive 15% off your order. Now let's get back to this conversation. Wow, this is so powerful and I can't wait for everybody to grab your book and just dive deeper into this. I want to ask you about the cycle syncing method. What's that and how do we do it? Well, that's the, that's the method that I created, you know, when I was looking at the infradian rhythm and, and I said, okay, well, we obviously, it is only logical if we, if we're hormonally distinct four times a month, we obviously have to change what we're eating. We have to change how we're working out. We have to change how, what we're working on. So I gave it a name and it's called the cycle syncing method. And it's, it's very much that it's the, it's the actual self-care program that you do for food, fitness, and time management that is based on your biology and your hormonal biological rhythm. And, And it allows you to really thrive in your health, to get your energy back, to finally feel good, to get yourself out of the statistic of being, you know, the 50% of women with hormonal problems and to really start thriving in all these other areas of your life. Because that was the other thing that I learned was once you really master this with your self care you can really start to transform other areas of your life that don't have to do with your self-care, like your work environment. You know, we as a company use the cycle syncing method as a team at Flow Living. That doesn't mean we're all on the same cycle, far from it, but we're all bringing our cyclical awareness to project planning meetings or whatever we're doing. And it amplifies and, and makes more efficient all the things that we do at Flow Living as a team. You can bring this into your sex and relationships. And I know this because, you know, one of the features of the MyFlow app is called PartnerSync. And for the past two years since the app has been released, we've gotten, I don't know how many emails and, and DMs from partners in of the women who've had this app, you know, to really help people navigate sex and relationships much more successfully, right? We all know, for example, if you're in a heterosexual relationship, if you wake up and a guy is like waking you up, knocking on your door, so to speak, right? That's because he's waking up with all that testosterone and he can wake up with like a a serious erection. And so we just think that that's normal, but you have patterns too that you're unaware of and you're not being able to take advantage of those sexually for your pleasurable benefit. And your partner is also in the dark, whether that partner be male or female, this is something we can all learn and used to our mutual benefit to get more of what we want in relationships. And then, like I said, in motherhood too, 
90% of mothers report that they feel guilty and overwhelmed about all that they have to do and that they're not doing as a mom. And I wanted to find a way to break that cult of perfection and guilt for myself because I don't want to model that for my daughter. And the cycle syncing method really helps me be the different versions of the mom that I am each phase of my cycle and show her different ways to solve problems, different ways to take care of the home, different ways to be engaged emotionally with each other. And I don't have to try to force myself to be the same version of of a good mom each and every day. I can be this different, dynamic, wise, and compassionate version of myself, which is who I am. I'm, I'm not a static creature. And then I think fundamentally what the practice has done for me at, at the biggest level, and I'm sure it has for you too, Melissa, is that it's really helped me heal the wound, the core wound that we all have received as women living in a patriarchal culture, which is pretty profound, right? Because at some point, usually around puberty, we all wake up and realize somewhat subconsciously that we're living in a patriarchal environment and that we need to modify the way that we orient ourselves to survive in that culture. And we go from being free spirited, wild, wise, and free little girls to basically picking a lane in puberty. We either become, you know, hypersexualized in puberty, being very interested in aligning with a male partner, having boyfriends or having girlfriends, whatever is your orientation, or we become very asexualized, and which is what I, that was the lane I picked, which is becoming like very academic and not going down that road. But you that that is not the expression that you see boys taking, right? Because they they wake up every day and and subconsciously experience that they are in an environment that supports who they are. And so you have many many varieties of of male expression. Women should have like snowflakes, so many different varieties of their own expression, but we're all still recovering from that initial wound. And what I have experienced is that practicing this method, coming home to my body, aligning with my biology has been the most profoundly healing experience as a female that I've ever experienced. It's balanced my masculine and feminine energy, and it's really helped me feel connected to a peaceful, compassionate energy. And, and I think that that is something that we all need. Mm, absolutely. I'd love to hear about your morning routine at each four of the phases. Like how do they, how does it shift each time? Or is there a few things that you consistently do throughout the four phases or is it completely different? Can you talk us through each one? Yeah. So in the follicular phase, I like to do, because I'm just sort of like unfurling a little bit energetically, I like to do kind of morning stretch and then I'll do a workout midday. So that's how I kind of balance my morning energy. So I'll stretch in the morning, I'll meditate, but I like to get in my body first with stretching and not just go right into meditation. Then I'll meditate and then I just get right into my day. You know, I'm a mom, so I'll be with my daughter doing breakfast. And, and part of the ritual is eating the right food at the right time in the right phase. So I'll make the breakfast that's appropriate for me. And that's part of my morning routine. 
And then in my ovulatory phase, I really like to get up and do like a walking meditation. I'll go outside, I'll be out in nature and I'll move my body first in the morning. And then I'll come back and meditate and get to work. In the first half of my luteal phase, I might do the same. In the second half of my luteal phase, I will do meditation first before I move my body. And then I might do, you know, some sort of Pilates at any point in the day when I feel interested in doing that. So I don't, I don't hold myself to a morning workout in the second half of my luteal phase. I just try to do it when, when it feels right to me during the day, which is usually earlier in the day. So lunchtime. And then in my menstrual phase, I will, you know, I'll wake up and I'll, I typically have a lot of vivid dreams. So I'll do a lot of journaling and dream capturing and interpretation. And I'll just, I'll, I'll really tap into my intuition and, and allow that to give it some space to breathe in the morning, to write about the things that I care about in my life. And to, that's the time when I do journaling as a morning routine. And then I will either meditate or I won't depending how I'm feeling after the journaling experience. And then again, the the food that I'm eating and then the movement that I'll do is very, very restorative, typically later in the afternoon. Mm, Beautiful. So I can't say that the morning routine is just encapsulated to the morning. It's like the self-care routine kind of has like little components that that are throughout the day. But yeah, it shifts just subtly each of the four phases. Yes, I love it. And there's a level of self-awareness and intuition that we need to tap into to really feel into our body in these different phases as well. And I know for me personally, you know, without even knowing, oh, I'm in this phase, I can tune in to how I'm feeling and and go, oh, okay, that's interesting. I'm craving more of these types of foods or I'm wanting more of these things. So I feel like there is definitely a level of self-awareness that we need to cultivate. And we have the brain structure for it. Women have bigger insula, which is a region of the brain that controls or that houses gut instincts and intuition. So you are wired to be much more proprioceptive, which is this, have a lot more physical self-awareness than let's say your male counterparts. And you can use that to your huge advantage for sure. Mm, Absolutely. Now let's pretend that you have a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every high school around the world. Besides your books, let's pretend that they're in the school curriculum because they absolutely should be. In fact, I think the younger that women get these books in their hands, the better. Can you imagine if this was the information? if the information in what in in the flow was given to you at 13 so that you could fully understand the majesty of inheriting a female body <laughs> like it would change the trajectory of your life if you knew how to orient yourself around your biochemistry once your infradian clock becomes activated you would have just decades back in your life and you would maybe completely sidestep having hormonal issues it would be totally game-changing to have this information as a young woman. What age would you recommend they read your books? Like, would you say 10 or what do you think? No, 10's a little young. I think, you know, so I have a daughter and I'm, I'm certainly leveraging what I can to educate her along the way. So we've had certain conversations already. I would say that by 10, 
I would want young girls to be aware that they will have a, a second clock waking up in their bodies at some point soon, and that that's going to make them feel and want different things week over week within a month, just to introduce that conceptually to them. And then I think somewhere around 12, 13 for them to read a book like In the Flow would be, you know, alongside their mom would be pretty, pretty powerful. But what what other book would I want them to read? Gosh, I've actually been amassing a a library just for myself, you know, over the years to heal my feminine energy, to reclaim my sovereignty as a female living in a patriarchal environment. So there are just so many important books. I think Natalie Anger's book, Vagina, is an important book. I think Clarissa Pinkola Estes book, Women Who Run With The Wolves, is incredibly important. What about for both sexes? Is there a particular book that we could put in the curriculum for both sexes? That would help them what? Just in general. Like if you could just pop one book in the curriculum for both sexes, what book would you choose? It could be around health. It could be around purpose. It could be around entrepreneurship, like anything, anything that you just think would be really powerful for that high school year. I think The Four Agreements yes, yes, would be an excellent book for both genders because to the, the very simple premise of that book about personal integrity and commitment is such an important concept to lay as a foundation in your life as a young adult or an emerging young adult. And to really, if you were to get that at a young age, it would really just set you up for such huge success and positive, healthy relationships with everyone and including yourself. Mm, yes, I love that book. It's so powerful. Yeah, so good. Such a good book. Now I've got three little rapid fire questions for you. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. So what's one thing that we could do today for our health? Just one thing that everyone can implement right now today. Um, take magnesium. <laughs> um, yes. One little thing. You could do that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, what's one thing that we can do for our wealth? So more abundance in all areas of our life. I think you can watch where your energy is going. Watch how much time and energy you're giving to things because the more you conserve resources and energy, the more wealthy and abundant you will feel. Mm, Absolutely. And what's one thing that we can do for more love in our life? Anytime you hear a negative inner critical voice thought bubble pop up in your head. You have to tell yourself something loving in, in to counteract it. We as women have so much negative self-talk. There was a quote I heard years ago from a poet named Vanessa Dayu that says, there is no greater beating than that of the fine lashing of a woman's tongue upon her own mind. And that really hit me between the ovaries because I have been somebody who is a recovering perfectionist, who is very self-critical. And I think all of us as women really have inherited some of that because, again, we live in an environment that tells us that something's wrong with us, that we're crazy, that we're hysterical, that we're hormonal, that we're not thin enough. And we internalize that and it comes out in these very negative self-talk. 
So anytime that that comes up, if you want more love in your life, you have to love yourself a lot more. And right when it, you know, right when that negative, dark little voice comes up, give yourself a hug, go look in the mirror, tell yourself you're beautiful or talk to, give yourself three reasons why the thing you just said to yourself is absolute nonsense or tell yourself three things that you're grateful for about your body or yourself and just really practice actively loving yourself up. Mm, Beautiful. I love that so much. It's so powerful. This has been so powerful and I'm so grateful for all the information and the wisdom and the knowledge that you shared. But is there anything else that you want to share? Any last parting words of wisdom or anything that you wanted to talk about that I didn't ask you? Well, we didn't get a chance to really talk about birth control. We didn't get a chance to talk about how so much research, all the research on intermittent fasting and keto and paleo is all done on men and postmenopausal women, but it's being told to you that it is applicable. But I feel like we, we should all hopefully take away from our conversation that there's really a correct diet for women to be eating that, that isn't intermittent fasting or paleo or keto, but that's really about what you'll be learning about in, in the flow. And that certainly the whole conversation about synthetic birth control is an important one because if you're on that medication, not only is it preventing you from accessing this extraordinary infradian rhythm, it shuts it down, but you, you're also then not being able to sort of heal your hormonal issues if that's why you're on it. So I think that's another important point that I somehow managed to forget to share. (laughs) (laughs) You shared so much and this has been so powerful. And I want to know how we can serve you and give back to you because you do so much for women and we're so grateful. So how can we serve you today? Well, I think ordering this book and you know, making really sort of showing the world that we're ready for our self-care to be based on our biology, for our, that we're no longer willing to tolerate yet another diet or fitness program that's being marketed to us as the next best thing when, when all of that research that says it's good for you is actually only good for men and only being done as research on men, that we're just not going to settle for that anymore. We deserve more. And I think that it's high time that we have a book like this to give us the scientific information and the research to, to really stand firmly in this new paradigm, on this new ground, that you know, it is time for us to live on our own terms and on our own timing, which is the infradian timing. So yeah, buy the book. You can go to intheflowbook.com and share it with a friend. We have a couple of hashtags that I'd love for you to tag on social media. You can find them on the the in the flow book.com page, but they're hashtag get in the flow and hashtag cycle sinker. You know, I I think that, you know, I'm a cycle sinker and I want you to be a cycle sinker and I want you to get in the flow. So I want you to be sharing that with other women in your lives because we have to light the the candle of awareness for each other because it's, you know. It's not necessarily that we're going to be hearing this in the mainstream, although I, I hope I hope that we do break through to the mainstream. We will. Until then, we have to tell each other the truth. And the truth is, 
we have this other rhythm, we have to take care of it, and we can all feel better, we can all rise and take our place as leaders with our health and our full energy and our creative genius with correct information supporting us. So yeah, buy the book and, and get one for a friend and tell your friends about it because it's time for a new paradigm for sure. Absolutely. I totally agree. And we'll link to everything in the show notes as well. But before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here. I'm truly grateful for the work that you do, for your wisdom that you shared today, and for just being a voice out there for all of us. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me and for this juicy, wonderful conversation. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. Thank you so much. Wasn't that amazing. I got so much out of today's episode and I'm sure you did too. And if you did, please subscribe and leave me a review in iTunes or on your podcast app because that means that we can inspire and educate even more women together. It also means that you could potentially be the review of the week for next week. And don't forget to email me a screenshot of your review to hello at melissaambrosini.com. As a little thank you, I want to send you my wildly wealthy meditation. And don't forget to come and follow me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini and tell me your top key takeaways from this episode. I absolutely love reading them all, so come and share them with me. And for everything that Alyssa and I mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes, and that's over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 275. And you can also listen to all my other episodes there too. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the healthiest, the best, and the happiest version of yourself, and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. I think every single female on this planet could benefit from this episode. So please share this precious information with them. It is so vital for our health and happiness. And you can do that by taking a screenshot. You can share it on your social media. You can email it to them. You can text it to them. Do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, my darling, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. <laughs>